Hello, and welcome to the Old Farm Bus Podcast. This is the back of the bus session. Hello and welcome to the Old Farm Bus, Back of the Bus Sessions podcast. Today, I've got a mate on the bus with me. I'd say you're a mate, but I've only known her about a week. I did her podcast, Creative Ways podcast. Go check it out. It's amazing. And I feel like we bonded. So, welcome aboard, Emma Isaac. (laughs) I like bringing the energy on the bus in the morning. Love it. And you like bringing the colour. Look at you go. You look incredible. Oh, you get to 41 and you start thinking, just wear sunglasses if I'm too much. <laughs> Could never be too much. And I'm loving the top that you've got on. Yeah, Six Music, it's where your favourite band to work day. Favourite band that. to work yeah, day. Love it. Bowie, big part of your life? Yeah, I just think credit where credit's due. And, um, you know, back in those days, you had four channels on the TV. <laughs> If you followed a band, you followed a band, you were all in. Mm, and I yeah. just think there's something beautiful about him. And most of our music comes back to those greats, doesn't mm. it? I mean, musically, absolutely incredible, but pioneered so many things yeah. along with it. And you're a creative. So Fashion. Did he really yeah. inspire you in your yeah. field? First man to wear makeup <laughs> and do all of that kind of... I think he was just a breath of fresh air for everyone and gave people freedom. Mm. You know, we've got to remember of that time. I mean, I'm 41, I'm not of that age, but of that time, yeah. it was very much Teddy Boys, Beatles, very suppressed still, Drifters. And then Bowie comes along oh. and just chaos. I love a bit of chaos. Who was first? Was it Bowie or Prince? Similar? I think similar time, but I think Bowie's Bowie. older than Prince. Yeah, I love Prince. And do you know what? His last gig, I couldn't go because I was pregnant. How dare my son? Oh, wow. And then he died. Oh. And he, yeah, he died. Weirdly, he died the day I was going to do the Mar- London Marathon. Mm. Um. And I went to see ba- Bowie had just died. So that's weird, actually, because I was in London and I went to go to Brixton to see the Bowie. You know, there's a big graffiti. You've told me you yes, went with Yes, yeah, your we had to go and do a grieving process yeah. with my mum, bless yeah. her. Yeah, Prince had just died that that summer. Oh, man, Such that was a, a weird... It was, it was a, a strange year. year. Yeah, lost with, a lot. Um, George Michael? Yes. Was there somebody else in that mix as well? Michael Jackson? Or was he a bit before that? Yeah, then Amy Winehouse. Oh, just mate. all the greats. They say, mm. don't they, all the greats don't live. They all went at the exact same time in that yeah. year. It was a horrendous time for it. Yeah. I remember... It's a tricky one, the... Because my mum was so driven by Bowie. Everything, paintings, we've got all the record, everything. And we'd just got over the Bowie going. We went to London, went to Scotland (laughs) as a family and just seeing everything Bowie. And then, yeah, Prince was after that, wasn't he? Yeah. And then, yeah, Christmas, blooming George Michael. Was it Christmas Day? Yeah, in, or Christmas Eve because obviously it's such a cliche with this song yeah I remember that and for that. me I'm massively in the law of attraction it's that, that thoughts become things that's Creating so weird realities yeah crazy but I Prince suppose... it was definitely April because I was doing the London Marathon so I know that date and it was um, such a shock mm. I suppose for those artists though that bittersweetness behind it and to pass on in such a sweet way and a beautiful, they had meaning behind it and message. Yeah. You know, Bowie, he had the album Black Star, didn't he? Yeah, that he wrote. Is this the one he wrote knowing he was ill? Yes, yes. yeah. And I think they call 
certain cancers black stars don't yeah, they, they do. when they see it in the scan so for them to be able to have that moment where they've let their art see them out oh i've got shivers thinking about it I know. <laughs> what a way to start a podcast I know, sorry i'm gonna be crying already <laughs> <laughs> music's, yeah. music's massive for me though mm. do you know and I, I thought it was for everyone until one of my friends it's a it's a, a long time friend's wife actually but we've been friends for 20 years she said um oh i don't listen to music i don't have any music i was like what sorry what I don't understand it mm. I just assumed everybody did but I grew up with music in, in the car my dad's mom and dad like even if it's not my type of music and I've started listening to Radio 1 again mm. and Capital because my kids are eight mm. and I love the fact that growing up my dad got into my music he started listening to Gatecrasher and dance and he was older my dad he, he was 35 when he had me, so growing, that's quite old for my age. Normally, you know, you, your parents are quite young. Mm. And he always went to gigs with me, yeah. was into festivals. He knew who, like, Judge Jules was, and I love that. We should be looking at what our kids are into instead of saying, oh, it won't like that in our day. And yeah, that's the worst thing it. you can do. Mm. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm of 100% agreement. Say you don't like music is literally what? like saying... <laughs> I don't like food <laughs> because it's so eclectic. It's so universal. There is really something for everybody. Always. Spoken word style, jazz, on off beat, hip hop, classical. There is always a sound that can take you, even without words, beat. to a memory yeah. or to a part of your life where you were really happy or really sad. Music is so accessible so i feel yeah just sorry it's, that it's harrowing somebody i can't actually comprehend <laughs> that somebody can not understand music don't or see feel her music. anymore mate. yeah yeah <laughs> <But> <laughs> dead bless. to me I, no i get it at, um i get it at schools a lot because i do an activity where we cut up lyrics oh. and we throw them at each other and it's just words being lobbed about <laughs> but then we go and collect them and put them on a sheet of paper and it's called form poetry so the first line that you pick is the first line of your poem and oh, you just pick and that. stick so then you pick something underneath underneath and out of randomization you've built a poem it's really that fun a great exercise but the second a kid goes i don't like i think they're just sometimes being a bit off with you anyway or yeah. <laughs> just playing you i'm so i go over to them and we have a discussion but I let them use uh, film lines or something like mm. that. But then they realise a lot of the film quotes they're picking are used in tracks and music and they get listening again. And that's where you sort of get them thirsty for words and so on. So I love that. Yeah, it's just understanding lyricism, diction, old poetry, new yeah. rap. It's all intertwined oh and blues i mean yeah, you went to yeah. africa didn't you for me yeah. that's that is my motherland i went there backpacking mm. but what i loved and found fascinating about africa is they don't have loads of books because a lot of them didn't write but they have songs and yeah. poems that have passed down generation and the beats and just seeing small kids and they know how to dance and i just it brought up so much feeling and it's just that energy is huge. And mm. when there's no music for me, when I was depressed and I did have a breakdown, I realised, because it's something that happens gradually and I'll say it to people that I coach or chat to, 
you won't realise how many things out of your life have gone missing at that time. Mm. But are you reading? Are you listening to music? Are you walking? Yeah. They're the things that go when yeah. you're feeling crap. And there's medicine men that say that to to people, like, are you dancing? Are you? And, and it's a big thing. And that's why we've got the equation of mind, body, soul. Yeah. Because, like, the reading, are you feeding that mind? Are you dancing and moving with the body? And yeah. For the soul thing, or you meditate, so on. And you can always equate it back to that equation, can't you? And bring back, oh, I need to add in that back in my life yeah. or reintroduce this back into my life and it's it's very simple at times but I understand the fog and from what you just said then you've been in the fog before you've yeah. felt them pains and I really I, I've enjoyed your podcast so much because you're a great listener oh. and just being an awesome human beforehand I think we spoke for an hour and a half yeah. two hours <laughs> yeah. I mean we did have Nick here and it was a party yeah. first <laughs> but I'd love to do that with you now. Um, hear a bit about your story. Hear about how this energy that you are emanating now is built, because it's just lovely. And then, yeah, going into your travelling days and your arty days. So what do you do now as well? What is your, just so my listeners understand who you are and what you do. Right, so I'm a surface pattern designer. Mm. I used to design for Hallmark and Marks and Spencer's. Um, so cards and wrapping paper, if you go into Asda or Sainsbury's, and you, I'll have designed a lot that are there. Wow. I, used to, I do fabric as well, so bedding with an agency. Um, so that's freelance, because obviously I, I lived in Leeds and then came back to Derby to be with my family, because I had okay. a family, I wanted to be near. You've not done them cushions behind you, have you? <laughs> no, nah. but that's <laughs> Ikea, I knew straight away who they are. No, Ikea's amazing, <laughs> for, they do great designs. Yeah, Playful. Love all that, mark making, mm. yeah. Um, and so I've become freelance, but then I got into teaching, um, and I didn't realise my love for showing young kids and my passion that's come from I didn't realize arts being taken out of school pushed out a lot mm. and so for me I'm being fed that kind of to see all these kids with anxiety mm. because I am dyslexic and I've got ADHD and I didn't realize that I didn't find that out till I was 41 40 I found out I was dyslexic at 24 in my final year of degree 23 um but obviously back then it's Really, they talked about structure, and I blatantly got ADHD. They come as a pair. You can get one with the other. Like I didn't realise OCD is really big with dyslexia or ADHD. There's a quite a few different, you know, paired with something else. And so um, you feel the invisible, and I think creatives do. And when I'm in a classroom now, I feel the panic that these kids are having. I'd have never ever got to uni now in this generation mm. because what saved me was I could do A-level art and A-level textiles. You're not allowed to now. You've got to pick one. Mm. And I was quite naughty at school, but I didn't realise it was easier to be the naughty kid. Mm. Well, it was than the stupid kid. So yeah. I'd rather be the naughty cool kid yeah. than be the one that still doesn't know her eight times tables. Mm. I went That's to a Catholic, then. yeah, I went to a Catholic school. We all knew the Hail Mary and the Our Father, mm. but they didn't give us any help when my parents kept saying, she does keep doing her spellings, we are doing her homework, but there's nothing there at the end of the week. Mm. Um, 
so yeah, I really struggled and I didn't realise till now when I go into a classroom and I see the anxiety has gone huge and if I hadn't have had art and textiles and been allowed, my art teacher still sends me a Christmas card now, no 25 way. years on and she's dead strict and she hates naughty kids but for me, she saw something in me. Really? Yeah. Became sort of a mentor to you? Yeah. Wow. And I, so now I always make sure with any kids I've bonded with like that... I stay in touch with them because that's huge, isn't mm. it? And she she tells all the other kids she invited me to come back to school to talk to them. And you just don't realise the power of the kind of normal, mundane people you meet at school. There are incredible people in your timeline that you don't understand the power of until very much later down your line. And some of those people I reflect on and I've not seen again... But I'd, I'd love to meet in the street and just say thank you. You don't know how important that moment was for me. Yeah. Well, here's an exercise for you. Um, if you're struggling um, mentally or you can't find kind of light at the moment, because mm. we all go through that. We're human, aren't we? And it takes work. We've got to do it for ourselves every day. Um, sit down with a pen and paper, and you have to really dig deep for this exercise. Mm. 50 people that have affected your life in a good way. And it can be... I'm going to do this, you know, I so promise you. so good. And you have to I'm going to send deep. it you later. Yeah, please do. <laughs> and it will be your friend's dad that day, or some people it's just that one sentence or that mm. one fleeting kind of exchange. But they will have changed your life. 50 people's a lot. You've got to dig deep for 50. And digging deep into that... You remember why it was so important to you and how it was so reflective. Because even you saying that then, I went straight back to the first day that I was going travelling for a year and I went on the aeroplane and just by accident, or I don't believe in accidents, yeah. but <laughs> this um, really old, ancient, wisdomful man I ended up sitting with all the way to Australia. Of course you did. And there was so much in there and he was really explaining to me, Mikey, while you're travelling, I was only 17, 18 as well, and he's just explaining, use your senses. Really be mindful mm. now, my friends. You need to think about when you're in a restaurant, taste that food, but you'll remember that food for life then and take you back to that moment. And he was being so open on this travel. He was excited for me because he was approaching the end of his life and he's seeing somebody sort of building theirs and working it all out. And, you know, I'd not thought of him for a long time. But you just saying that, he was the first that shot in my head. That's and I've just gone, oh my... And that makes you grateful and gratitude now to think, if I'm, say, slipping and I've lost a bit of that character of myself, the mindfulness, remember how he made you feel yeah. and pin back to that and go back in that place. So that exercise will be very important for people to be able to think back to some people and we have to remember our cup is can't just be full all the time we've got to keep topping it up ourselves it's no one else's job mm. so we have to dig deep into oh what is it i'm missing right now and meaningful conversations like you said and and just think when you see young kids because you were a kid on a plane you will want to do the same for them yes because yeah. you'd be so excited for them but yeah, those exercises are really important. But gratefulness, so when you do slip, because we all have dark days, the quickest way to get back into a good headspace is being grateful. Do you know it's physically impossible for your brain to be grateful and be 
negative at negative. the same time. Yes. And it's just it's just the quickest exercise, isn't it? And I do it with my kids now. We're in bedtime, five things we're grateful for. Mm. And it's just quite a quick changing Where was it the... you heard that of finding gratitude. I've read a lot of books. So when I did have my breakdown when I was twenty seven, there's something about being twenty seven, isn't there? just hit it so oh right sorry you're a lot more switched on I I was I took a job that I wasn't ready for I'd, I'd never heard of imposter syndrome oh. um and I was a design manager and I didn't feel ready for it for M&S they all kept saying I was capable but I didn't feel capable I wasn't I think I needed to design a bit longer first and I got I came back from backpacking and they were like, come back, we love what you do. And it was great and I should be really grateful. But after reading about it now, I don't know if it's from being working class or being a woman, but I felt like I was a fraud and I was going to be found out. And I mm. felt like a fake. And I didn't realise now, maybe because we are all talking about it more and we're learning and we're a bit more humble, mm. or we've become more American. <laughs> I, I, I like that though. I didn't used to, but now I realise like, oh, I think I am. My real granddad, I'm adopted. Oh, I've got it all, guys. I'm, I'm, we're going to go there, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> it's from New York. and So I must have an American street. Oh. Obviously I have. But um, there's just something about was always at that time feeling like a fraud it was very perfection now we can be a bit messy and a bit humble and I don't know if that's social media there's just something wonderful about the time now that we can talk about depression we can talk about Mm. our struggles but back then it was no we're perfect and you know and and it was so dangerous so damaging I completely agree I mean we said a word before the podcast and it was that nuance yeah. element and bringing in the grey of life or the both sides, not speaking in absolutes yeah. and allowing balance because I completely agree with you. I sometimes think as well, though, that over-stimulating it and it can perpetuate it. Yeah. If you only talk mental health side yeah. of things, it, you go down that path and you become sort of maybe the victim mentality to yeah. some degree. Yeah. But... I think it's definitely more acceptable now and approachable to try and conquer your mental health and battle it and understand it's everyone's got mental health. Yeah. It's same with brushing your teeth, same with physical activity. You always need to be working on your mind and how you can stimulate that and better it and understand there's always going to be from past and how family were raised, knock-on effects and byproducts, and we should always be wanting to be the best version of ourselves yeah so i love that that is now a big emphasis into society i've just seen in some young people it has been such a focus mm. that they've become a product of it if that makes sense yeah so for me it's about like you said ownership it's no yeah. one else's job and when i talk about my family there's no blame it's just what happened and I love them all dearly and people are just human and I think a lot of people grow up blaming their family, blaming their parents, blah, blah, blah. So they are a parent and they realise people are just doing the best they can, yeah. always. That's such a good attitude. But it, it, it it's true and when we see people as human, it knocks down barriers and it takes ownership on me. If I'm having a bad day, it's my job to sort it out and like you've just said, I call it gardening. If we don't garden every day, the weeds show up. If mm. I don't, 
listen to the music, work out, we're both big on working out, aren't we, eat the right food, I didn't drink water the last few days, and I've just been a bit mardy, <laughs> I just need to drink some more water, <laughs> but I can laugh about it now, because mm. it's like ridiculous, but mm. it's, yeah, putting that ownership on yourself, no blame mentality, I mean, mm. of course, there are things, awful things happen to people, but you know, it's, we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we react. Mm. And then that gives you a power, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. You you feel like a very strong empath. You exude <laughs> this wisdom. <laughs> Can we go into young Emma? Yes. Because I really do feel, for the people I connect strongest with, where I feel very strongly connected with you and there's sort of a, a feeling of no inside, that you must have had a um, turbulent, tenacious wild experience as a young person to be able to build up this strong mindset that you've built up to so can you give me a bit of your timeline and take me on that journey and then where this wonderful person come from <laughs> yeah um i was the ugly fat kid as a kid as a teenager we're in it so, together you know High when fives. you've got that you've got to work on your personality yeah <laughs> luckily the cool kids always liked me because like i said i was naughty and a bit gobby mm. um but all my mates with a beautiful page three works for ram fm girls you know oh, all of them know so them. i was the funny fat kid that all the blokes got on with. So I was Sharpie, the, the lad. Sharpie? Was that yeah, your name? Yeah, my maiden name was Sharpie. <laughs> so it was like, we're just going out with the lads. Sharpie, are you coming? <laughs> <laughs> we would have been such good yeah. friends. So, um, but I didn't realise that I didn't fit in. So they were wonderful girls, but they were what you call townies. And I was the creator. I should have been down the blue note and the, with the skaters and stuff. But the school I went to, they just wasn't that and you don't realise that you're in, in your environment. My parents, I'm adopted, and my parents were older, like quite old-fashioned, meaning, mm. so my mum's like 75 now, so I, I don't know, I didn't ever feel cool or like I fit, you know, I didn't have like computers when everyone had them, and I was just always trying to fit in, but my parents were wonderful, I love them dearly, these are my adopted parents so Am I was okay a... to interject in yes. a little bit I won't keep interjecting no, uh, yeah. but that's something I'm very unfamiliar to is adoption and mm. people that have been adopted so did you your biological parents you never met them well I've started we write letters now when I was 30 there was a thing where I decided to my dad uh, my mum and dad and my adopted mum and dad I was only six weeks old when I was adopted Right, okay. Which can't happen now, unfortunately. There's too many, much red tape, and right. it's now when they're 18 months or a year, which, so for me, the bonding was there mm. straight away. I don't know what's right or wrong. I'm not an expert. I can't Feels comment. quite a vital part of the development, yeah. not to six months. Yeah. But um, my... I suppose, again, the nuance of red tape, I understand if there's been things happen in the past where they've needed to add red tape then yeah. fair enough but yeah. it does feel when you said it and my heart's saying oh it's a shame they can't be there at naught to yeah. six months well you're a dad you know yeah that's why i'm reflecting yeah. going oh if i huge. couldn't have been there for them that period of time i can't imagine how we'd be now do you know what i mean she's so loving and trusting but I've felt that has been such a process along the way of why she's 
it's such a good spirited young person one year old (laughs) well there's things like we've spoke about before language in the same when i talked about africa it's touch and mm. that's why they do the skin to skin with when the baby's born. There's smell and touch with animals and there's music and cuddles. And, and th- there's been loads of experiments with monkeys and kind of when they were left to cry. It's not just about, there's the bonding of... God, I hate that experiment. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> Imagining I, yeah, monkeys, yeah, horrendous. But, yeah. but do you see what I mean? Yeah. I, it's not something that I just talk about flippantly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm really lucky. So my mum and dad bought a book. It was never hidden. It was yours more special than any other kid because we chose you. You oh. were an accident. So I always felt really special. And I've got a brother. We've not got the same mum and dad. He's adopted, but I went to go and choose him. And he's five years younger. And I, yeah, we've just had a really happy, loved huh. family. And then before... Skipped when I was 24, my dad picked me up from a university trip and we had a conversation in the car. This is why these conversations, like you said, about just passing, fleeting moments can change the rest of your life. My dad said in the car, picked me up from Manchester Airport, have you ever thought about being contacting your parents, real birth? And I was like, no, no, because apparently it's really common for women especially to want to protect their adopted family. Secretly, when I got drunk, I'd be on the yellow pages looking for my surname. But I wouldn't want to see... I wouldn't want to look like I wasn't being loyal to my parents. Apparently, it's really common. My brother went to find out straight away, but there's something about girls, apparently. And he said, oh, I would if it was up to me. Don't you ever fancy it? And then he died a few years later, but I always knew that he'd be okay with it. There Hmm. was just, I don't know what that was. It was almost like permission slip. Hmm. And and I probably would have gone looking anyway, but I'd have always felt that I was being disloyal. Um, And yeah, we've not met each other yet, but we've, we've written to each other. And she was a lovely woman and I really pity she was Catholic. And it was always written that she couldn't have children out of wedlock and this wonderful young lady. And she gave up two for adoption. So I've got an older brother who lived in Leeds, who is five years older and we've got such similar paths. Get this, his mum and dad, adopted mum and dad, got married the same day as my mum and dad. No. It's like something off a film, and and they're wonder. He's got a sister called Emma who lived in Rodley in Leeds, where I live. This little canal. I'm not having it. Village. This it's it's unbelievable. Honestly, <laughs> when I tell my friends, they're like, "This is like some film." Oh wow! Yeah, Emma. he works for a paper company. So when I worked for Hallmark designing an M and S, his paper company used to go in the same building in Saltaire in Leeds. I'd never even heard of it in Derby, hmm. and they deal with the same in the same trade. And he's a wonderful human and his sisters and his family. But the same day, the same year, his parents got married. The same day as my parents, thinking they're going to adopt this brother Mm. and sister from the... I mean, it's just... In In a spiritual language or term, how do you interpret that (laughs) i think it's wonderful i've only got love for it now but maybe because i am blessed with such everything was explained to me i always felt wanted and loved and now when i look back at these humans all part of the story our birth mom i pity that her because she's missed out on uh, they're all just wonderful people um, and and we're really lucky. See, you grow up thinking, "Oh, my parents in prison." Mm. Where they, you know, you don't know what the story is. 
So um, you don't hold any animosity no, towards the, anybody. I, I just pity that yeah. she's missed out on a lot because she had some that other is, children um, and she had an awful... She got with somebody horrible after that treated her badly because of shame. And I, I've read a lot on shame and hmm. humans carry so much shame. For you to be able to channel that in a compassionate part of your nature must set you free completely yeah yeah it does i think it's where the power is not that i'm after power but it's no hatred no no. anger no no shame in your life you've just managed to go do you know what everybody's been on their story their journey they've done their best but i wasn't in that time i don't know what decisions they had to make in that moment and to be able to be loving kind and compassionate towards that is such a big attitude and gives credit to who you are now and it's a part of why you are now because you do you see people late on in life still holding on to something this hot piece of coal that they won't let go of and it's like look down it's only burning your hand that's all it's doing to you now you've got to let go at some point and you managed to do that very Mm. early on so credit to you thanks i am blessed she was the youngest of five Mm. big irish builders they came over because of the ira and quite a lot of Irish went to Bradford and, you know, they built, like I say, builders, so they get brick jobs. And, and there used to be signs all over Derby as well, no blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Huh. Yeah, in the 70s. So they... It doesn't shock me, but no, it should. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, our mutual friend, Emeka, he used to say the same, like, that, that they were the signs everywhere. But their pair, her... She's the youngest of five, so she got made to adopt. She was it wasn't her choice and they were all very kind of catholic and it was almost like when you read about it it wasn't like the 70s it's like reading like 1940s but ireland is quite well not the whole of ireland but catholic families are quite old-fashioned and stuck. let's say backwards yeah yeah exactly <laughs> let's go <laughs> yeah but um from the more i learned about it the more it was her grandma her mum just wore the trousers and it was all how you look in church and it's the same with a lot of religions isn't it nothing against people's religion but it's the humans it's the kind of mm. the hierarchy when it's the been hypocrites misinterpreted yeah it's not the religion it's the the church that yeah. humans kind of human meant people behind bend it. the rules yeah i've got the um golden rule on my arm with all the religious oh. symbols oh. but again that's the the one rule that leads the rules of treat others as you wish to be treated yeah. and you know if we can take them sort of messages oh, yeah. away from religion and say well there's a lot of beauty that it's added in but it is it's when people go that they're turning it into something for their gain I suppose a lot of men really throughout yeah, the time. Absolutely. Seven wives. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> I think you've just read that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get uh, in no trouble at the minute. No, but I know. <laughs> come on, I'll have you. Yeah. <laughs> that it's a really fascinating part of your life, um, that and the development of who you become because I've never really met anybody that's been adopted before. Oh, right. Genuinely, but I've got a friend who's a new friend I've met at the gym and he's coming and helping on the buses at the minute and he works in a care home and uh, again such a, a wonderful character and I've just got a real passion for young people at the minute be it becoming a dad working with kids on the Mondays and going into schools and I really I'm empathic now <laughs> I think I've always have you been will, yeah. I definitely always have been but just 
building that understanding of why people act in the ways they're acting, why people are feeling the way they're feeling. If you can gain that knowledge and understand like, the path you've been on from your own experience, you can actually start accessing them and helping them then by gaining that understanding. People are like that for a reason. I think there's a quote, um, something about madness. I can't, it was in a film and I thought, oh, that's hit me. It was... Um, there's always a reason for madness, but there's madness in a reason or something. Oh, yeah, and again, it's yeah. just understanding that history of somebody. So I'm so happy to hear that you had a loving experience through all that, though. And that's what emanated and built. But was it a tough time for school then because you were Sharpie and were you getting well, bullied? Well, it got or... worse. So I was the fat kid <laughs> <laughs> with a bowl haircut. Oh my god! I mean, what a bitch! I say yeah. it to my mum all the time. You wanted a girl all your life, and you dress me like a blooming boy, a bowl haircut, mate. Fill me up with sweets like. and chocolate and pudding, <laughs> and then put me a bowl haircut on top. Yes, it's wow. been an ongoing joke. Obviously, <laughs> honestly, it's like how horrendous. Yeah. Like she dressed me like the seventies, and then it got a bit better later on in high at high school. Obviously, I wore long hair. And I think that's why I got a little bit gobby and a bit naughty. Um, but my dad, he was a buyer, but he was a, he really creative. Basically, when he left school, apparently he got offered three jobs the minute he left school. Jobs were plentiful. He wanted to be a carpenter, go to college. He was from Chad, from a council house, a, um, grew up working class. But his parents, were, they were from farms. He... he his parents worked for Rolls Royce and stuff, but he grew, where he grew up on that street, his mates were all working class and went to a rough school in mm. Chad. Um, and he wanted to be a carpenter, but that that apprenticeship had been taken, so he thought, "I'll just be a buyer for this year, mm. and next year I'll go and be a carpenter." Never happens, does it? Well, it didn't for him. He met my mum, and they got saved to get a house, and he ended up in this path being a buyer. Mm. Hated it. Never did any overtime, would just do the bare minimum because it wasn't his passion. Spent all his time at home making things, mm. building, making things beautifully. Like he did our whole kitchen, he made beautiful, gorgeous things. And then he got made redundant when we were a teenager from a job he didn't even want. Mm. So then I end up on free dinners, going into charity shops. My mum was a dinner lady because she wanted to be at home because... She'd spent all this time wanting a family. Mm. She wanted to be there for the family. But because my dad was a bit older at 50, if you lose your job, they're not mm. going to employ you. So it was quite... Um, I didn't realise how much that would affect the rest of my life, meaning I'm not the richest person. My friends are on mega books, but I'm doing what I love. And mm. they spend all their money... Not all my friends, guys, I love you all. <laughs> Certain <laughs> few. Spend all their money trying to forget how miserable they are in their big job. Mm. They're getting fat, drinking loads, yeah. going on big holidays to kind of compensate from the fact that they're empty inside because they're not doing what they love and they're following the money. And so for my dad, if he'd have just followed his path, because he ended up... This sounds so depressing. He got cancer. Mm. And I'm sure it's from not listening to his, his self. Mm. And he was, like I say, when he died, the, the stuff that we've got around the house that he made, beautiful stuff. And instead he took this path being a buyer that he lost his job anyway. And we mm. ended up 
you know, they, he kept his house and everything. Luckily, that's why. So I learned that off him, but I also learned that he got up and got in his suit and went down the job club every day mm. and sent off letters after letters. He would not be a victim. He grafted to get a second job and he wasn't too humble. He ended up being a caretaker at a school because he wanted to show us that no matter what, you get up, you get dressed and you take that job and mm. you're not too proud. So I learnt that from him, which is wonderful. He told my mum not to leave her job because you could get more, I think, on benefits. And he was like, no, you go back, you carry on being a dinner lady. We're setting these kids up and we're showing them that we keep trying. Mm. And I just think that's wonderful. So I learnt that ethos. You, you graph. You graft. I mean, t- to be honest, it's too much at the moment. I've got to learn to chill out because I work too hard. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's a working class thing. But huh. the lessons I learned in that five years as a teenager, you just don't wow. realise how huge they are. So did you never make the go down the path and make the mistakes of getting something you didn't like, or did you just literally learn that lesson and implement it in your life? So have you? been in a factory or anything oh yeah did it all yeah so you've tasted it as well yeah you've not only heard about what it can do to you and experienced that in your life but you've gone I'll give it a go yeah oh this really isn't for me now this isn't what I want to be doing yeah so amazing to be able to pick up that as a lesson isn't it yeah I did Thornton's I did a I think ch- yeah two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I did a packing one. You know where they pick you up on Normington Road on a bus. Yeah, and they take yeah, you? yeah. It was awful. The wow. cuts on my hands just from packing boxes. <laughs> it was awful. I, I, mine is a uh, poetically. I end up crying into a box of chocolates. I love that. <laughs> I remember it. And we were all told, is it true that Thornton's you can eat the chocolate? Oh yeah, because they try and put you off. Apparently, right? Do you know? Um, if you overdo it in your first yeah. week, you don't want chocolate ever, ever again. again. So they're just like, yeah. yeah, take it. And the <laughs> smell, oh man, it's, yeah, not good. It was this guy, the manager. And again, I'd never been in a big factory before. I'd either worked on the farm, that wasn't quite for me. A small independent cafe in Belper, yeah. Coco. Um, And then just needed money because I wanted to go away. Yeah. So Thornton's. But it just turned you into a robot so obsolete nothing individuality nothing about my personality it's just go over there do that job so me on my aisle i'm dancing i'm singing i'm playing being a bit daft and the boss came over and went oi what the you think you're doing and i was going packing chocolate because i was doing the job though i wasn't doing it wrong too happy mate and he, he screamed at me and then um so i started talking to people on my aisle and he was really watching in on me. And I remember he came back over and said, right, come here. And he put me with people that couldn't speak my language in the corner of a room, just putting the labels on. And I remember I had a fit. I just started crying thinking, is this my existence now? Yeah. I just threw everything and said, your job, I'm gone. That's how but I left. It was a it big was moment. Like too much. Really? Like, can't breathe. It, it yeah. felt suffocating, didn't it? I don't understand or know if it is possible i'd like to speak to more people on that merit but to find happiness within that realm when it's your majority part of your day 13 hours 12 hour shifts doing something where you're not allowed to bring anything that's you to the table 
you have just turned a person into a robot completely then that's the thing that separates yeah. us isn't it your your character your yeah. playfulness your silliness and now you're not allowed to incorporate that into the job role well going oh. off on a tangent because this is me i think that's why which is a good thing the black lives matter thing happened last summer because everyone you've got to remember a lot i've got a lot of black friends and different nationalities you know, in London especially, or New York, they've got two, three jobs. They're normally getting up at four, mm. going to their cleaning job before another job. They haven't got time to sit and think of injustice or all of these. And then with lockdown, all of a sudden, everyone's like, actually, this is not fair. I've been on a fact. I've been on a million... I'm out of the house for 20 yeah. hours a day or whatever. And, um, yeah, that's a good thing that they had time, you know, some extra it's just not, I can't put yeah, the words well, into no, it. So, but it, it was something that I thought of straight away. Actually. The pandemic, isn't it? Yeah. Corona. People have got time to, not time in a good way, but it was, everyone's a, a factory line. On a factory line, exactly yeah. what you said. Well, and a lot, like you say, in that story of yours, people lost their jobs, many people. Yeah. And they thought, hang on a minute, that was doing something I despised, waking up at six in the morning, five in the morning, going to trudge through a day that I don't actually want to be a part of. Yeah. And they had that moment thinking, well, I've just lost that. The world's very malleable. Anything can happen at any moment. So I'm, I'm of total agreement again. It's the big shake-up that people needed. I just hope that they've managed to channel it and put it in that right direction of, well, who am I? What is my passion? Why do I want to get up and, and feel good in the days? But not why, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But and that's what I want for myself. Um, how can I achieve that? And that's by pursuing passions, finding purposes in your life, meaningful tasks, rather than just being told to pack boxes. Mm. <laughs> so let's, uh, yeah, we'll dive in then to a bit of the travelling days. When when did that come about? So I went to university, did my art degree, lived in Leeds, loved it, and then I kept saying I want to go travelling. And the girl I went to uni with, she got a boyfriend and didn't dare tell me she didn't want to go travelling. <laughs> you know when people do yeah. that, like a year off another friend. What, she don't want to go? Oh, <laughs> oh so she yeah, built it but, up but another you. Yeah, but then another friend... Um, oh that I worked with had said, oh, I'm going travelling in six months' time. Mm. Um, if you want to meet me for a few bits of it, I'm going to... And she was going to South America, mm. Africa, where else did we go? Japan, China. She was going to all these places that I'd, n I'd only ever been to Europe. And she was like, oh, I'm going to all these places. You can come to a few if you want. And I looked at the bloke I was seeing at the time. It was over. Really? <laughs> I was like... Can I come to all of it? <laughs> <laughs> why, yeah, we, why was it over with him? It was just, we should have split up like five years before. We just ended up being mates. down. Yeah, exactly. It was that thing of, we, and we, it, weirdly, he's from Derby and he's got kids at the same school as my, his wife's lovely. And we just grew apart and yeah. we ended up just being friends. He's a lovely bloke, but it's just an ongoing joke that I was like, yeah, I'm going to. <laughs> Taxi. <Yeah>. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> no, he's a great, he's a great lad. Um, so yeah, so we went, I went backpacking, terrified. 
and just I know it's so cheesy, but found myself. <laughs> I love this. Like... Oh mate, let's talk about the finding yourself process. Oh. <laughs> you were twenty four, you say? Twenty five. Twenty five. Just finished yeah, uni. Just finished. Had a good experience did, at uni. Yeah, I spent longer at uni because I did an art foundation in. Um, I did A levels at sixth form, Catholic school, like I've said to you, but because of the teacher and I loved it and I didn't dare go anywhere but then I thought actually I'm not set up for university so I got advised to do an, an art foundation at college in Derby and I'm so pleased I did but all my mates had gone to uni then mm. so I felt a bit left behind um, and then I did a four-year degree because you got a year work placement so I think that's the thing about my parents because of what they've been through I wasn't going to get a degree in just doing anything I needed to have a job mm. and I think because of that background because I put myself through uni my parents couldn't it made I made sure that I did play hard but I blooming worked hard you mm. know mm. and to my now it, it probably caused the burnout and really I probably worked too hard so there's lessons in that too because mm. um, I just used to work my ass off and another thing about ADHD I didn't realize I used to work through the night and now looking back I think it's because there was no distractions mm. Mm. I think you find That's ways how I work yeah operate through the night because in the day I'm online I'm yeah. answering things and I've realized that it I've only uh. just realized that and I get night loads owl. done through the night but it's because I get into the zone yeah and i can't in the day there's too much noise I, th I feel very similarly um also i like the fact i don't know if this is competitive in me but i feel oh people are sleeping so if i'm working yeah, through this i'm up and i'm yeah. on it, <laughs> it so that was a yeah. part of my nature at one stage but then i just adapted to that i thought oh i'm actually enjoying it so i'm sure there's a magnitude of reasons why i like going through the night but when I'm editing, if I start at seven or eight to do a music video or something, I'll be eight in the morning. Chris is just getting up for work at, say, six. And I think, are you up already? Yeah. It's in that flow state, yeah, isn't it, when you're just zone. away. Oh, okay. Um, Best go to bed or something. I think you're freer, though. I'm yeah. braver in the night as well with my choices. Whereas in I'm with my art with my design choices there's just mm. something about the way i work through the night is different to the mystical day. isn't it yeah. the night time <laughs> but then a lot of creatives do work through the night don't yeah, they yeah 100 percent. so we, 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 Sorry, I, this is tangent. no i love us <laughs> will, will you please be our mate on this bus i want you down here way mate, more you often. ain't getting rid of me now you're so much fun and <laughs> our minds are so similar yeah. they really do travel all over and that's why I got into podcasts. I never wanted this big structure. This is where we're going. This is what we're going to talk about. I've been on podcasts where it's been that, sort of the Q&A thing, and it doesn't speak to my soul the way that random conversation, tangent here, tangent there, lose yourself, find yourself. It just, that feels fun to me. Proper chat at a pub. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what podcasts should be. Other than that, it's just an interview in a magazine, isn't yeah. it? Q&A. Too, too structured, too contrived. Yeah. Yeah, saturated. So, to your travelling, though. <laughs> yeah. 25-year-old. 20, I just want to say, you say you enjoyed Unique. It was a good experience yeah, for you. Yeah, it was for me. So, would you... That you'd advise, say, if you had a 25-year-old... Do you have a 25-year-old? No, an 8-year-old Eight, okay. um, and a 4-year-old. For me, I'd have not 
done as well if I'd have gone to uni just in Derby and stayed at my mum and dad's. Right, I get There that. was something about me. Like I said, my friends were amazing, but they weren't. we weren't alike. Mm. They were mates from school. Um, we don't have that in common. So when I see my old mates that I grew up with, they're family to me, and that bond's never going to go. Mm. But I'm Sharpie the hippie, yeah. and they're the, I call them the grown-ups. <laughs> You know, I can picture it. You see, they they wore suits and had cars when I just wasn't even. I kept failing. I kept, well, not turning up to my driving lessons because mm. I wanted the money to go to a rave. Oh my life, <laughs> <laughs> you are wild. <laughs> but but um, yeah, but I was really, go? oh, really good. What rave? To uni? No, <laughs> both. Probably same place. Yeah, Huddersfield. Like weirdly, so even though I've got that streak i am really into working hard and yeah. it was the best degree i know your your other half did textiles for textiles um huddersfield's really big because w- w- of the factories and the mills but then we'd party in leeds right. but i really liked the so my brother took the rip out of me when when i was like i'm going to the big lights of university i'm off i'm too big for this place and then we got off the m1 and we were like in emmerdale farm <laughs> and my brother was like oh great fill your boots Emma. <laughs> this tiny little huddersfield town <laughs> he just kept singing last of the summer wine in emmerdale farm but of course, it was good for me because the people there were all art and textiles and then we'd go to Leeds anyway. Whereas if I'd have gone to a big... I got in at Manchester and I got in at London, I'd have quit. I'd mm. have ended up partying too much. So yeah. it was good for me to have that that uh, world I needed, yeah. but not the wild partying. Because I joke to you, but if I went to a rave, I would have worked hard all month. Yeah. Like, I, my friends still think I'm wild, but I go out three times a year. I go to festivals, but I make sure that I plan it. Yeah, Do you yeah. see what I mean? I'm more the sensible aftermath. than I make out. Of course, of course. Because <laughs> you know for a fact there's a, a blowout. Yeah. But then you, the aftermath of that can be quite hard to pick up the pieces yeah. from. So you've got a plan in that, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, I think you have uh, to train maturity, the beast. Maturity, maturity. <laughs> I likes it. Either that or I know how long I can party for, so I have to make sure there's enough days. I, I did, I just wanted to, to side note that because um, a lot of my friends, a pattern that I see, the ones that are creative and did go to uni, all, nearly all of them, have a really bad experience with it, Aww. saying it sort of stifled their art, um, repressed a lot of them. But it's nice to hear that you did have a good experience uh, in a creative field. Yeah. Because um, it puts a lot of people off then, hearing the anecdotes of uni did nothing for me, um, this piece of paper and so on. And honestly, it's just on this podcast, I think we're, you'll be 92 or 93 episode. And the creatives that I've had on, the ones that I went, went to uni, I'd say nearly 100% were all, I hated it terrible experience so I just bounce away from that conversation but it's nice that you got what you wanted out of it yeah again I didn't like the way the degree went in certain places but you you get to control the next step you get control of the next chapter do another project then Mm. no one's stopping you no one's stopping you developing yeah yeah do a nighttime project do a contact some bands and do them a cd cover like it, you get to carry on and on. And don't get me wrong, there was loads of my degree that I didn't want to do, but I also know we have to learn that. Yeah. That That's what learning any trade's about, isn't it? 
the 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 art side is you that's mm. there's only one of you that can and nobody knows how that's going to show up but they've got to teach you something mm. um so yeah I, I just um feel i mean this is just matured mikey now that's been through a journey but from school you sort of passively just go in taking in information and because all your mates have gone on to college and then uni you follow trend and then you sort of maybe passively allow that to become a bad situation but I wouldn't now in any part of my life if I'd have been at uni now or get a job now or wherever I end up allow that to become a bad yeah. happening do you know what I mean if it was in uni and I've got the mindset I've got now and I wasn't enjoying a course I'd do everything within my power and my ability to change my experience there and that's what I felt hearing them because I, I didn't I just went from school asking to leave to farm to travel and I just uh I, I just wanted to stop being told what to do <laughs> to be yeah, honest but, your amazing. <laughs> but that that was just it so hearing a lot of my friends explain their experiences from there it just sat with me going well why didn't you go and yeah. find something other or and make it into your experience rather than oh uni was rubbish that for to me is going I allowed uni to be a rubbish experience yeah. and just pass it and actually it's not till you've said that that is what I did actually um the degree was surface pattern because I couldn't decide if I wanted to get into fashion or homeware um so surface patterns pattern mm. um you can do so one minute I'm doing bedding the next minute I'm doing wrapping paper or fashion um, and I remember my tutor was, I did an 80s fashion thing. Well, I, I designed um, club, because obviously I was into clubbing. Wow. It was a 90s, mate, gatecrash. Yes. <laughs> <It> was, um, <laughs> I designed stuff for Boy George, and I got to meet him on a night. Wow. Uh, he was DJing, and I got photos with him, <laughs> because he was my final project. Because, uh, come on, if you're going to design for somebody, I mean, I've got... I wasn't going to get Bowie, was I? Mm, so I got Boy George. <laughs> but but my my surface pattern lecturer was like, well, why aren't you doing bedding for M and S or Asda? And I was like, well, I'm never going to get to do these kind of projects. Yeah. If you're going to do something wild, you do it in your degree. And I remember her saying. 80s and gold is never going to come back. Mm. And of course, now all of us look like we've been in some sort of 80s <laughs> Dallas time machine. Yeah. <laughs> but I was told another, and I could have easily have listened to her and gone down a different path. But I just thought, no, I'm I'm at uni mm. being a student. So I suppose it depends kind of who you're listening to. And mm. for me, I just knew I was never going to get another time to do that. But then maybe because I did a work placement so I got to go into a company and I realised how boring my future was going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I went back for my final year, I knew, well, I may as well have fun. Yeah, go wild, yeah, let it all out. Yeah. That's a good attitude. And I think just for the merit of the person that you are, you thought, you know what, I'm just going to unapologetically, authentically do me in this moment. And I think a lot of people really don't understand the power that they possess absolutely and it's your reality to create don't allow it to become that if a young person was hearing this now it's just if you're in a bad part of your life experience you're at uni you're at a, a job you hate that when there's nowhere else to go in your mind there's everywhere else to go 
that's a really important thing to hold isn't it so true it's where the true power is you get to control your next step you you're do. the conductor yeah always mm. um and you know we said earlier your pain is your message mm. um your mess is your message and for me I don't think I could be this person without oh, yeah. the darkness and without the struggle and you know without I used to fail exams all the time and mum and dad used to get me a tutor and my brain was like a sieve literally I'd hold on so when I went backpacking I'd, I'd know a bit of Spanish ask me a month later gone mm. <laughs> completely gone um but yeah now I laugh about <laughs> it and I think as well you've got a great personality maybe it is from being bullied and struggling at school because you've got to rely on <laughs> yeah. your personality haven't yeah. you <laughs> with I a bold haircut honestly well I didn't want to interject in because your story is going oh, no, so well should. but I was the set of big kid but I had a bold haircut <laughs> I, re I really did I connected on that I'll, I'll get some photos after yeah we'll um, swap my mum used to get the horse shears out and after she'd done all the horses for the day <laughs> bop and just go round and that was it I, I really remembered that so I was just smiling nostalgically going we would have been such funny friends yeah. walking around so at least we would have been together though true, yeah. true. <laughs> my son he's got blonde hair and I went for the surfer look but his dad cut his hair um through the summer and somebody said he looked like a lego man i was so traumatized that's actually quite funny <laughs> i love people that do the best observational humor and he's only four so it just went over like he yeah. was like oh cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> love lego <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the picture he took in his yeah, but lego the trouble people. is i'm so nervous now i've taken him to hairdressers so i'm like are oh, you gonna mess up my son's hair yeah <laughs> it's a big deal though isn't it yeah when Definitely. you're growing up and you're like, oh man, could you do anything worse for me? You, the, when I eventually did get a good haircut, they'll allow me to go to the hairdressers. We didn't need to save so much money <laughs> scrimping out. Uh, Gareth Gates had just come in at the time. Brilliant. So he had them crazy yeah. spikes and I, I think I rocked that out yeah, for a good three, four years. Gareth Gates style-y. Yeah, he was... He pioneered something. I've yeah. never seen that done before. No. <laughs> Old school. Come on, Emma. Take... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go there. Where, where was the first drop-off? Where did you end up? Got on the flight. You're flying out. Oh. Where'd you land? Um, Buenos Aires, Argentina. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I know. <laughs> I'd do it big. Exactly. <laughs> Australia. Well, no, I wanted to go to Australia, but mm. the thing is, the girl I went with was five years older than me, so she was 30. That's a big... I know that doesn't sound much, but a 30-year-old when is, 25. Yeah. She'd already done Australia. Well, my best mate was emigrating to Australia with her husband. They'd met at school. So, of course, I was always going to go, not realising you never go because you've never got any money when you get back and then mm. you have kids. I am going next year, by the way, but... So we left out Australia because the places she was, it was her trip and I was joining her. I can't take the credit that I would have dared gone to these places. Mm. So it was Argentina, Brazil, Botswana, down to, Pat no, wrong continent. Argentina, Chile, down to, um, yeah, right down to the bottom. Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. And then Bolivia mm -hmm. and Peru. Yeah. Then we flew to wow. Japan, China, Singapore, mate. I mean, 
we're an hour in and we've and got here Africa. this is great <laughs> okay <Africa. laughs> world's longest podcast guys yeah, strap it sorry. <laughs> no, no, no it was no, awesome is... i don't need to tell you how awesome it was it was just i've got to go into a bit though that sounds yeah. immense did you to get that is there a special flight ticket that you can get well yes yeah, so we went through um sta travel I, from japan get this i'd not thought this through you just get the the trip so you go from brazil we lost two days we went around the we went to japan that way around the world instead of that way i didn't know there was a left or right wrong no. way you just <laughs> trust the airlines mm. um so we lost a day huh. in the timeline and the journey was 27-hour flight. It was the weirdest thing. And then you turn up in Japan. It was like, have you ever seen Lost in Translation? No, is it a film? Yeah. Okay. It's awesome, but it, it shows you kind of, you just don't, so you've got jet lag, mm. you've lost two days, and you can barely breathe because you're in Japan and it's just, and it doesn't go dark because of the lights. It was weird, and I felt so spaced out but amazing you can't work anything out because all the signs for the toilet or anything so I had this pointed book hmm. that you'd point like a picture of a banana or... <laughs> it's quite clever though. yeah but yeah. it was awesome we only went we were only in japan for two weeks and then it was china oh, i've just seen now there's singapore um, and vietnam any translators Oh, have wow. you seen that? Oh no. It's crazy. You can literally have a oh. fluent conversation with somebody and it's being interpreted to you oh. and translated. That's crazy. crazy. That, that, from pointing at a book yeah. to hello, how you doing? <laughs> it's oh, crazy. Well Incredible. a lot of Japanese, even though they can understand mm. English, wouldn't speak to you because they're really shy and modest. So you'd right. be like Not because yeah. they hated you. No, yeah. <laughs> well probably a little bit of both. A little so. bit. <laughs> But yeah, it was awesome. The come down after travelling though was uh, awful. Were you uh, away for a year? A year. And then when I got back, I think that part of the imposter syndrome, I don't know, I just really struggled getting back into life mm. because how do you get back to... Was it all hostel living as well then? Yeah. So you're out there in hostels, new people, but you started in South America. Was that told to you beforehand, sort of no-no? Um, yeah. Was anybody saying? Yeah, don't go there. It's so dangerous. And I was. Did you feel? Did you have any of those moments? Um, yeah, times? I was scared about Brazil, but had the best time. Um, I was Rick, so we didn't. Go, obviously, for Brazil, we didn't go to the cash point. We always made sure we were together. Didn't carry any stuff with, you know, like passport and everything. Um, my brother went te- about five years later on his own, and then told everyone he got his trainers nicked and. He got robbed, but he'd walk around with his passport. Yeah. You know, like, of course. It's like what you just said then. I love people that actually listen to others and take on a bit of notice. Yes. Yeah. I mean, South Africa, when I was there, a friend, um, Maria, um, really five foot one, but real strong character, but she just didn't want to take into account what people were saying. It's right, when you go to the shops, wait for us, we'll walk with you. And in her head, I think she was just thinking UK rules apply. So, ah, forget you guys, I can go do it. And she was millimetres from being abducted or whatever the hell could have happened next. But so lucky because basically what happened, I was working in a primate sanctuary oh. and I'm at work and we're pretty out of the way. We're at um, Pretoria, but about an hour's drive still from central town mm. so 
the shop is about a 10 minute walk 10 minute back but on the way there a car had pulled over to the side of the road and a guy was dragging her in but as that was happening uh, a car had just come past and it was a bunch of workers out in South Africa and the farmer and he'd rammed the car and the workers jumped out and like saved her because they knew what was happening it was horrible though because then they his driver got away but the guys had say uh, oh sorry <laughs> punching my <me> mic <laughs> um the workers had grabbed the person that was trying to abduct them uh, abduct maria so they threw him into the back of their van tied him up in cable ties is no blood everywhere and they drove up um, to the sanctuary, and it was just me on at the minute. So Ooh. I'm on my own, and I see this car whizzing up, and I think, right, we're getting killed here, or being a being at fight at least. And then I see Maria coming out of the car, crying her eyes out, scuffed up, and I'm, what's happening, what's happening? And then the guy in the back, all tied up, and they're saying, right, uh, we, we're going to go and kill this guy now? We, we go I'm going... No, no, we can't kill somebody. Oh this is true, true story. And um, I ran round the back where everyone else is working in the fields and stuff. And I go, guys, guys, come in here. Everyone runs round. And we end up having to plead with the farmer to not kill this man. We'll take him to the, the police station. And eventually he says, okay, right, you go do, do with him what you will. But I, he knew that he'd just be let off in a second. So... Got there, the guy ends up paying and gets out. And he, my, my ex-partner at the time, Maria and another friend that she'd gone with, they were getting questioned for about five hours just in the police station, stuck there. And the guy that was going to abduct her or do whatever he was going to do was gone after 20 minutes. So oh I understand why yeah. corruptness happens and then why the vigilantes and so on. So, yeah. But that was just somebody not doing what people had said around there. So there, there's rules, isn't there, when you go out travelling for a reason. Oh, and yeah. You've got to just know that you're not more knowledgeable and knowing than them yeah. certain things to go by. I got um, tears, what do you call it? Tear sprayed. Yeah, that's uh, um in Bolivia. Tear spray. Yeah, but by the it? police, I think. Um, so. Yeah, because there was loads, loads, and loads of um, protesting, right. and there was loads of kind of upheaval with, because because you find in a lot of these countries there's always some political something going off, mm. and you wouldn't know at the time. Like when we went to South Africa, we couldn't get to Zimbabwe because Magawi, mm. all the money was worthless in Zimbabwe um, but it just changes so much and like you say you just realise another thing is when you go on any tour it's not like the UK you're <laughs> like literally on this little bus looking down cliffs like this aren't you because mm. it's just you've just got to go with it haven't you I think there's something about just surrendering when you go backpacking and just going what will be will be <laughs> because is some of your you your can't... best advice is to take advice then yeah. <laughs> listen to people make it your own experience have yeah. as much fun as you can possibly carve out but do listen to people when they yeah. know the areas well the girl i went with is the same height as me i'm five foot two we got spat at in india um hmm. and we uh, because i smoked at the time i mean i didn't i always made sure i covered my skin we were yeah. very respectful but to be spat at because you've got to remember in india you're practically 
a prostitute to be travelling on your own. Yeah. You travel. I mean, I work in um, schools in Derby that are massively, um, you know, Eastern European or Asian, and it's not. It's just their tradition that you do not go into town on your own. You go with five other girls, and mm. that's just their way. So to see me and my friend, I've not the mic now. See me and my mate knocking up. It just as we are we mm. just look too free and too well light years ahead of mm. their society got to remember a lot of countries women still don't drive <laughs> wild isn't it yeah and we have to respect that don't we we're yeah. in their world yeah 100 percent. because i do i know travelers that have gone to those areas and tried to change it as yeah. well you're fighting an uphill battle there going into another culture and trying to implement your ethos, your beliefs, yeah. your culture into it. Mm, it's yeah. Impossible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot to, to just before we move on, yeah. the major fact is when I went backpacking, tsunami had just happened. Wow. So that's how long ago it was. Tsunami had happened. We were booked to go in April. Tsunami had happened on Boxing Day. Mm. So when we went to Thailand, we were doing the cleanups on the beach. Um because you could just go, if you were there for a week, you could clean up for a week or two weeks. But it was so humbling to see, obviously, how horrendous it was. Mm. Um, but you needed injections just to be on the beach because it was so, the disease. I mean, you can imagine you couldn't eat any fish mm. or anything for years. And it worried me how, like, a year later, everyone was like, yeah, we're back to normal. <laughs> really? Everyone's still eat everyone's eating fish again. Like, mm. did you not see the cars and the... Mm. The, the hotels and yeah that was horrendous uh, but it was very scary bird flu was around tsunami had happened and i'm waving to my mum and dad with this other five foot two woman going see ya <laughs> oh, mate. no iphone <laughs> and the sound's so old but no internet no well, there was internet but no mm. facebook or anything you couldn't mm. go where's the next hostel we had the lonely planet i love telling this story it sounds so bloody knobby <laughs> in my day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know when you go backpacking there's a, there's this ongoing joke about there's always that person going well you want to go to this temple nobody's there i mm. call them travel wankers <laughs> I've met a That's few of them I've in my time. Into. Yeah, <laughs> definitely met it, a few of them. We call it the crowded planet where we. Oh. <laughs> but you get that with everyone, don't you? There's always that oh, one my gap, person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me get my harmonica out. Have you seen it? <laughs> In between us yeah, too. Yeah, I would have so fallen for him. Really? That was, was you were into. Oh, no. that I was into. The dready blonde mm. guy. He was Socialism, the... man. It's the yeah, way forward. It's exactly. the only way. That was me, the trust fund kid. <laughs> What's your name? Is your name really? It's Edward. <laughs> I thought it was oh, Willow. He <laughs> really grinds on me in that uh, film. Yeah. It gets to me. Because they so exist. True. They exist in their millions. And they always travel alone. And you realise like, Oh, that's why you're alone. Mm. <laughs> I've been mm. travelling for 15 years. Yeah, I'll be travelling another yeah. 15. <laughs> People can stomach you for the week. They're there. They think you're cool for a bit. You play yeah. guitar and then they're like, be done with you. Yeah, that, <laughs> and I used to fall for them. So, wow. <laughs> but you did. You started this segment of the podcast <laughs> saying that you found yourself really travelling. What was the finding self bit? Um, the people and I really I didn't realize 
that I always wanted to do kind of Australia and, and Europe and get a job, but I realised actually that the, my favourite places were the poor areas, the markets, the energy. So all mm. the places I was terrified of going were my favourite. Mm. And I didn't realise how much it was, the people and the communities. Is that left a lasting imprint with yeah, you then? Yeah, yeah. Forevermore, you just thinking... <laughs> it's people's stories. If, yeah. I, I, my life's full of people and energy and yeah. movement and finding happiness in the simple things in that. So that's exactly what it did to me. Yeah, exactly. the I think, people. I think my mum really thought in her mind, oh, I'll send him out there. Uh, didn't send me out, but, you know, give me idea to go. And left me with some pocket money, so go yeah. out there. But I did get my own flights and whatnot. Um, but she believed that I'd be seeing people struggling, uh, poverty, stricken plate, which I did see. Yeah. But genuinely, this is my experience anyway, and for a good few years, the poverty, the poor areas, the getting by on nothing were the happiest places I've ever been in my whole entire life. The bare minimum, three hours work a day max, and after that, that was sort of there. Well, we've got to do our chores. Now we have fun. Yeah. What? I, th- I thought you guys were supposed to be really unhappy and in terrible, dire straits. What I'm seeing is it's all about wholesome family, cooking, yeah, playing, food. enjoyment. And yeah, honestly, that was what I came back with, and my mum was like, Oh shit! Yeah. I thought you want to just get here, work your ass off, and go for it. And what I really wanted was for that to not be the majority of my day, and for the majority to be spent in a a loving, yeah. calm, peaceful, simplistic attitude. Well, those overnight buses you used to get to go to in Africa yeah. or wherever, they'd be strangers giving you some fruit or mm. some food, and it was just wonderful. You wouldn't take it off some of them. <laughs> Well, yeah, I know in exactly South America, there was some that was like, I think you've got fleas. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was nice to offer. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you have that. That's yeah, yours. Thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely the people it, and, and the energy that they bring and the kindness. And mm. I don't know if you've ever seen, I don't watch telly anymore, but there used to be this thing of millionaires. Their kids would swap lives for a week. Like BBC do it. And um, they would swap with, say, obviously working I class. This now. And yeah. the, the kids from the millionaire families just wanted the other lives because yeah. they're like, I don't stay over at friends' houses. I don't see my parents. Why you don't have we do parties shows like this week. anymore? I know. That's they said, really you true. guys have sleepovers. You share bedrooms. We're really lonely. We can't get the bus. We live out in the sticks. Huh. My parents send me to after school clubs and. and their lives looked so empty. And yeah, they were going to horse riding and they were doing all amazing activities, but they were on their own mm. and, and the they wanted to be at the park. The mates mm. they'd swap with were down the park with their friends every day or yeah. on the bike. And it just, it's those lessons, isn't it? Yeah, I completely we're remember. We're missing you know, uh, Media on the whole gets a bit of a bad vibe and yeah. shows like that feel oh, you shouldn't be watching that, it's going to have yeah. a bad message. But actually, there's some real beauty. But yeah. more in them olden day series that we'd be watching and shows, some, I, I'm reflecting to it now because you've proper triggered a beautiful yeah. memory in my mind. But I remember one of them episodes where the poorer, the working class family, were just laughing at this woman because she couldn't 
wind down and at this the kid had to have a conversation with her like this is the time where we're all together playing games and relaxing i genuinely remember that episode then and it, it struck a chord with me yeah yeah i'm gonna make sure i implement like my family's life more because yeah, uh, yeah, like you say we're programmed though me and you from our youth as well being built to be very active hard working and sometimes I do reflect looking over at Ella and Chrissy and going, I can do that in a minute. I know yeah. I, I've got time. Don't just neglect it and not yeah. bother. But those big principles we learned from traveling, that show, yeah, yeah. <laughs> things in life, well, it's good to reflect back yeah. to. Well, me and my kids have party night on a Friday night. Amazing. And we put the disco light. You know those really cheap from Amazon, they're like, um, you plug them in, there are five of the lights. Yes. We put two of the lights off, we put those on. Um, my kids get Alexa for a few hours, which is obviously Taylor Swift and all of that. Yeah. But we have party night, and it's Love literally it. sometimes it's just an hour with pajama, your pajamas on after dinner. Um, but we love this it and they and they jump up and down and we just go mad. And I think it's really important to have kitchen discos. Mm. And we can all do that, and it's free, and they love it. They love seeing... Who doesn't love seeing your mum dance or your dad? Mm. You're like, you absolute idiot. I've not got to embarrass Ella yet, but she loves you me will. at the minute dancing. Yeah. That's She's really into it. As soon as she put music on, yeah. arms flailing around, bums shaking. Yeah. Got <laughs> it's it. so much fun. So you came back from travelling. Amazing time. I mean... We do need to do another podcast because yeah, I'm sorry, there's, everyone. there's so much in there that we could start working out and picking from. But just going to who you are now, is that probably the most formative time of your life than the travelling period to then coming back and getting into work and so on? Yeah, because the job I was doing, Surface Pattern, is very much you sit at your computer all day and you sit designing, and as a graphic designer or a fashion designer, it's very serious. You've got to hit these deadlines because we're going to the Far East. And then I was a design manager, so I oversaw quite a high-powered job, 10 people in the studio, but then I, freelancers, I'd be getting freelancers to work for me in London, and all across the world there'd be freelancers in Europe. But it didn't fulfil me because it was very corporate, and I didn't realise how much of a people person I am hmm. until the backpacking. And then the struggle, we've been through, obviously, dyslexia and that. So for me to go to a school and college now and to help that person, because now I'm a coach as well, I, hmm. um, a mentor, a coach, a lot of, there's a lot of designers that have gone to uni and then went for one job, didn't hmm. get it, didn't apply for a single other one again and then took a path of getting a job wherever which yeah, is fine yeah. but not doing anything creatively 10 years on they're desperate to get back into mm. the creative field so they come to me and I mentor oh, wow. them so for me that's my passion the people not the company not ah. the job the because I realize we've all struggle we all have to take some sort of um I don't know what's the word we there's a price for everything isn't there yeah, and quite yeah. often we go where the money is or we go what's there now yes. then 10 years down the line we're missing something and what we're missing is we've ignored the creative passion mm. so for me that's my my why really I love finding your why I think that's such a powerful moment in life yeah. too and do you feel that's also built from because you had people in your life 
that give you strong direction and helped you so much from from lessons and wisdom that you understood the gravitas of what that can do to a person so you're now managing to give that to people yeah well the opposite i saw it my it not happen for my dad well, yeah and my mom. so still yeah them lessons that yeah yeah imprinted it, in yeah you. yeah so the lessons were watching my mom and dad drift yes and it and, and that's what i was alluding yeah, to <laughs> and not but also do you know what else from a parent perspective which i'm going to really struggle with i'm as you can tell a really big force mm. and i didn't realize and my mum and dad aren't, but they sat back and they knew not to train the beast. <laughs> they were like, we've just got to guide her naturally. And I really struggle with that with my daughter because I'm like, you need to do this, you need mm. to do that. And I've got to watch that because what I have noticed with friends growing up, the ones whose parents overpowered them, they ended up not doing anything and it sent them the other way. So you've got to kind of do it in a way. Be which an observer is a, yeah, and a guide. Hats off to my parents because they never told me to go to uni or college. They, they never told me to do any of that. So it was always on me. And I think when it's on you, mm. you'll do it. Being told to do something. You've talked about your sister. It sounded like that was her that wanted yeah. to. It's a big it's, difference, it's isn't a it? a bit annoying, isn't it, for you? Because when you're told to do something that you want to do... If you're like me and very stubborn, yeah. I won't go and do it then. Yeah. <laughs> so you've actually stumbled me in my tracks. Yeah. And it took me a long time to swallow me pride and start doing things. Yeah. Just knowing if what you've been asked to do is something you truthfully want, you'll still go and do it. And if you've been told to do something and you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. It's, yeah. it's just really getting to a true understanding of self and, and what you actually want out of life and what you want to achieve. So understanding the exterior voices can be handy at times but not being taken by it either way of the side of the fence because yeah, you can get one. yeah I was just so stubborn as a kid Me so too. I'd stop myself doing things I wanted to do <laughs> from being told to do them or I'd just stop myself in my tracks anyway because I didn't want to be told what to do yeah. it just wasn't reflective enough I, I love the character you are now though it's, it's oh, honestly can you ask, though, we're getting to the end of the podcast, but what is next for you? Because you've got your podcast again, plug it again. Thank <laughs> um, you. Um, and all the other endeavours that, you, that you're up to. If you've got ideas that people don't even know, I'd love an exclusive oh, now. <laughs> well, over Christmas, I'm launching a membership programme. So I do coaching, as you know, but I realise that what people want, especially women, that my kind of consumer, that people that come to me are women that have... Um, like want to get back into design and they've put the family first and what people are after is other women and you know we're online and it's quite lonely and there's mm. a lot of designers that don't live in village with other designers creative people we're so sprinkled around a lot of us don't have other creatives in our family or the other school mums or teachers or and so we're seeking community so what I'm launching is this membership program where they'll get some podcasts that they'll get a say in the podcast mm. i'll be jumping on and doing like mentorship on a friday like mm. a tea and coffee and um we're gonna have experts on each month so that's what i'm really nervous about launching but i always think when it's something you're nervous about mm. that's the thing it means it's right yeah so mm. that's that's the big thing for next year and the podcast i just love yeah. even if nobody listens anymore it's tough i'm <laughs> doing it forever i love yeah. it exact same i love meeting people on that mm. mission because 
I'd say podcasting, I've, all the things I've tried out, the videography, the poetry, everything, it's been the biggest learner of my life. Meeting people, hearing their stories, understanding, you know, the, the me mentality behind self when I've been a victim and I've heard other people's stories and I thought, oh, that's interesting. I feel I may have trapped myself by that and I've learned so much Same. from just listening to people. Um, it, it's a beautiful art form and people don't actually understand it as an art form, podcasting. Oh, I didn't until I really... It took some work and listening to yourself talk and then also sitting back... And letting somebody else speak. Yeah, yeah. That took ages because I'd be going, uh, and another well, yeah. thing, and another thing. Well, can you remember how many episodes are you on now? Similar? Um, 85. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. Similar amount. So, can you remember the first 10 oh, to the evolution? Listen. Yeah. Really? If you went back to listen to them, would you be cringing yeah. your, your butt off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just the amount of edits. I think yeah. that's it. Now I don't edit it as much. Whereas at first it was like, oh, I get said, rid of that. I get... said mm, a lot. And we we're just a lot more critical. Oh, yeah. That was a big one. The like, kind of like, yeah. dislike, or, um, um, yeah. filler words just yeah. because you're nervous, I suppose, or you're trying to fill that sound. And sometimes in storytelling, that can give the most power to it, can't it? When it's uh, the silence rather than trying to fill the sound. Absolutely. I think listening to, particularly when I've had older, older guests on, you don't know who you are anyway, but I've had some older <laughs> guests. Thanks. <laughs> no, not you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, again, they're just more matured. They really know how to hold themselves. And when I've had them podcast and listen to them speak and the emotional responses they've given to me, and it's all from them pauses and yeah. calmness and then delivering words and how to hold you wait, waiting. Oh, I think that that was where I went, I need to change my shit. Yeah, <laughs> I need well, to work. <laughs> you know, our, my friend Nick, you've met, he says, always says to me when he, he's really good at selling and he always says, when you go in for the deal, it's the silence. You have to say what it is and then you sit and don't speak. And, and I can't do that. Because <laughs> then no. I'll go, eh, but it's not that pre Or if, yeah. you, if you sign up for today, it's a little bit cheaper. We're, we're so similar, <laughs> honestly. Let me give you the money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I, terrible I've point. genuinely so done no, that you recently. you say the price, then you sit. Yeah. You let it hang in the air. And my old coach said the same. Um, but I also didn't realise in films... Um, a lot of the scenes is 80% music. Mm. But there's, there's quite a few scenes where there just isn't any talking in it, especially in um, Quentin Tarantino. Yes, good And shout. the most most powerful scenes are. So mm. there's something about that kind of atmosphere and, yeah, just letting it be. The build-up. But it's confidence, isn't it? I think that the f first um, half an hour in Mad Max, you know, yes. with Tom Hardy. yeah absolute just chaos going oh. but no dialogue at yeah. all for the first half an hour or so and yeah that is the i love being on a podcast and trying to create entertainment just with our voices and so on but with other art forms being able to create an atmosphere create an energy for people without using that it is really powerful to be able to do that's the reason, though, that podcasts, I do believe, are such a, a new, thriving art form, is because 
it is hard. It is hard to do, isn't it? Well, I used to listen to Scoobius Pip a lot, oh, yeah. and not many people. I just loved him, and I remember him saying, "It's actually the Wild West for media because we can get away with saying whatever we want. Yeah, we can talk yeah. about Brexit. We can talk about Rogan talks about that anything, and it's actually a really exciting time. Mm. And we can swear, and we can, and and, and the conversations have become." Like you've got the BBC doing podcasts because they don't want to seem formal. Like yeah, it's changed yeah. media as a whole. It's never been so exciting, really. I don't know if I said this to you last week, but it's a recent thought I had. But it, you know, when I go and collect a book now, I'm excited for all the information within it. But I know the process has been really edited. That's somebody's final version of what they want you to see. Yeah. Whereas this podcast now, I might have said during all of this things I don't even agree with, things that were a bit flippant, things that are very naked to me and very open and raw. But I keep it in there because it's like having that first draft book. And I love being able to see somebody's first draft of what they really wanted to say and then refining it down and so on. It doesn't feel as natural as a process to me. So, yeah, I think podcast to me is like doing a book to get people listening to this and it's the first draft though this is what we really wanted to say yeah it's energy energy meets energy doesn't it yeah and i think yeah. that's what it is and that's i mean obviously with your spoken word you're the best at being able to kind of just do it at that time and mm. and follow that feeling you should see me trying natural. freestyle mate oh god <laughs> not, i don't not, know how no. anyone does freestyling it. isn't the one for me <laughs> 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 but we had a, a freestyler come to do a a workshop recently did you? Uh, to another level he did the podcast um love you to get him yeah, on yeah which one uh, muzzy foley right he's always on this morning good morning britain and oh, he's re- yeah. he's been pigeonholed though for itv right. as the rapping teacher and he's actually very smart very intellectual got a lot of knowledge and ed- education system but they use him as a bit of a mockery mm. thing now he, they had him rapping recently against kem off Love Island. Oh. Um, and they're like, use this. But they keep calling him up to talk about political issues too, like Corona. And I think, don't get muzzy on. <laughs> get, a, get a scientist. Yeah. Stop, just keep getting muzzy up all the time. Oh, we've run out of guests. Muzzy. Yeah, <laughs> seems to be the way I'll send this to him. He'll be pissing it. But oh, I love he, it. Yeah. He did Come on, part. muzzy. I want you oh, I'll, get, I'll, I'll link yeah, you up. Please. You'd love that. Um, but he did this game with me at the start of the podcast because he can't do things normally. And I put a beat on and then there's a random word generator on your mm. phone. And he's going through this beat and then every so often I just shout, potatoes. <laughs> so I got my potatoes, there they go. And it, but you can just, every time, we did three minutes and it was so funny. Oh, that is pure um, talent. But then he got me outside in front of 30 kids to rap battle him. Oh no! It was way. the worst thing I've ever been. Like, I went for a poo at half past two. Yeah, that's on the loo. Yeah. I mean, that was better than I did. So I'm all out now. Yeah, at least there was three lines together. <laughs> I had one and then just ran. Yeah. No, he's so, so talented. I'm. That's one of the art forms, freestyling. Yeah. That I just go, what? What? What are you doing? doesn't make any sense to me i don't understand that you're plucking it because i can do that in conversation but for it to be sensical have a rhyming scheme and pattern 
metaphor in there. I'm going, no, not, not off the spot. That's genius. It is. It's unbelievable. Mm. When I watch people, I just, I'm in awe. Yeah. That's 100%. Love it. Emma, this has been a genuine pleasure. I see you as a proper friend now, you oh. know. You heard my story. I've heard yours. I think we could do this again. It'd be beautiful. There's a lot in both our stories. I'm sure we could start unpicking and unfolding. So you're an amazing human. Can you tell people where they can find out everything about you, all the stuff they need to know? Oh, thanks so much, Mike. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's Thank been a you. privilege. I've been watching you from afar for <laughs> ages. And mm, so hang to on a minute. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, to be on here, I'll really thank you so much. So everyone can find me over at Creative Ways Podcast or Emma Isaacs Designs is emmaisaacs.co.uk. Come and say hi, and I always love to meet new friends, so yeah. Amazing. Is your website as crazy and beautiful and colourful as you are? It's very colourful, but it has oh, it to be, doesn't be. it? I really thought it might, because <laughs> I, I, I love your layout of your podcast as well. Oh, thank you. It looks you. brilliant. You put a lot of time and effort into that, and I applaud it. Oh, thanks. Well, yeah. same. I love your stuff. We, we do. There's uh, sometimes, I, I think... Because we do so much, you can get a bit messy and lost in that, can't you? Yeah. But I love how you formulated yours and you've got a real structure to it. So you've inspired me. I'm going to look at how we can structure ours a little bit differently and cleaner because it can be a bit sporadic and all out there. Mm, I think you're overthinking. Honestly, okay, your stuff's, you sure? yeah, it's spot on. <laughs> Thank you, Emma. Honestly, guys, you've been a part of the Old Farm Bus Back of the Bus Sessions podcast. I'm going to leave you on this forevermore and I'm going to always do this podcast. Be nice to one another, you beautiful buggers. That's all you got to do. Have a good day. Cheers, Emma. Thank you. Thank you.